Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Hey, listeners. So it's me, Jackie, on June 8th, 2020. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of amazing people out there. And, um, I've been wanting to make a message and just, I'm not sure what to say. You know, my mom's in New York. You guys know that. I'm, I'm terrified every day more, more now than I was back in March 16th that I'm never going to see her again. I, I just, that feeling for the last two weeks as Montana opens, you know, we, we opened June 1st and I just, I don't understand what's changed, you know, social distancing worked. So now we're not social distancing anymore. At least that's that's the way it is in Montana. I mean, masks are like you don't even barely see them. People, you know, we're able to congregate in groups of 50. Everybody's hugging each other. So I don't I don't know what it's like where you are. My cousin in New York on um the Upper East Side has posted pictures of people protesting what it was like for curfew. On Saturday night, a beautiful Saturday night in New York, and he was stuck in his apartment. How that was different. Um, this isn't coming out anything like I wanted it to come out. Uh, but the two two podcasters that I've been listening to, so I love Jill Angie from the Not Your Average Runner, and then Angela Watson, who is a teacher, runs Truth for Teachers, so neither are gardening. But both of them recommended reading White Fragility. And so I ordered that book. The first day I went on Amazon, they ordered it. It was out. And then the next day, I was able to order it. My my big bout with white privilege came about in 2013, I think, when I was over in Browning. And we were teaching. We had to take a vocabulary class. And the teachers kept pushing this white privilege thing, this white privilege thing. And I felt like they were trying to instigate something between the black feet and the white teachers on the staff. I was so ignorant. I can't believe how ignorant I was. And I just felt like, you know, we were all equals there at the school. I was completely surprised when I asked somebody, do you look at me as a white person? And they were like, heck yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. It was interesting because a lot of the black feet teachers felt that they were trying to instigate something between us. So it wasn't just me that felt that way. But I had never really realized what it was like to be a Native American off the reservation. You know, I hadn't really experienced. But then I began to hear stories of what it was like for them um, when they left the reservation and went to like Great Falls or to um, Missoula or Kalispell or certainly um, different places. They have a very strong relationship with whitefish. But I don't think they have such a good relationship with people in Eureka. I don't know. I'm certainly not wanting to talk about that. But anyway, what I was trying to say was um, I certainly have experienced white privilege growing up in a very white, um, wealthy, upper middle class home in on Long Island. And then, you know, Montana is a very um, white state for sure. Not a lot of diversity going on here. So... I just wanted to say something. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure what to say. And that's part of why I haven't said anything yet. But um, 
I, I don't know. Just I'm praying for you. I'm praying for all of us. I think about you. I am so thankful. So, so thankful to you because you having listeners who I know believe like I do and care about our planet and care about humanity and social justice, which I feel like you probably do if you're listening to my show, um, as much as you care about growing a good garden. And so I, I'm very thankful for that. I, I go on Facebook and feel very comforted by the people who share my posts and like my posts. And that makes me feel better when I go to bed at night. And I try to explain that to people who want to argue with me on Facebook. And I even have one friend, she's like, I don't understand why people put up a, a post and then say they don't want to discuss it. And I'm like, because we're not putting that post up to argue. We're putting it up. So when I go to work and I see a colleague who liked my post or a parent who liked my post and I'm standing across the hall from them or, you know, we're talking about their student, I feel closer to them as far as compared to feeling less close to them or not knowing. It just, it makes me feel better when I go to bed to know there's other people out there like me. Um... Anyway, I did pick out my phone because I was walking by Mike's mini farm. We have had a lot of rain. It's just amazing how things have grown. And I am curious what it's... This morning, I jumped out of bed like I was tossing and turning last night worrying about why didn't I put those broccolis in? Why didn't I put those broccolis in? I bought 12 broccolis. I don't know. Let's see. It would have been a week ago Friday, a week ago Wednesday, a week ago Wednesday. So they've been sitting in my garden for like 10 days. And then, um, with all this rain, I'm like, oh, they've got to get out of their containers and in the ground. And so I just got up in the soaking wet this morning and put them out there. And then I just took a picture of Mike's mini farm. And like, I swear his potatoes have like, they're just growing like crazy. So, but you know what else is growing like crazy are the weeds. (laughs) So I'm wondering, how are your weeds? How's your garden growing? Um, and I hope you like... I'm going to release the interview with the soil kit woman today who's down in Alabama and talks about protecting the Gulf of Mexico and how, um, you know, not knowing your soil type. And I think we're going to maybe try to send another one in because we did the mini farm, which is super high in calcium. And I so I go yesterday, I spent a lot of time looking our pH, Mike's pH in the mini farm is 7.8. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And what do I do? And there's a lot of cool vegetables that grow in a 7.8. Asparagus, beets, which Mike planted a lot of beets this year. Um, I think celery, lettuce. I think there's so much calcium because I brought all those eggshells home from the cafe last summer. And, um, <clears throat> but... And then I was like, well, what do you do to reduce your pH? Well, the best thing to lower your pH is add organic matter. So we need to add a little organic matter, which Mike is going to mulch. So that right there will um, do it. He has had, I cannot believe the value of tarping. If you have not listened to Andrew Mefford's, I would just buy the book, buy Andrew's book about the no-till farming um, over in Maine. Mike did it this year. You not believe the amount of work it saved him covering the mini farm in tarps. Um, there's so, you know, the weeds just didn't grow for the, in the places where like the green beans need to go and you can't plant until he just put the green beans in last week. Um, and to just to be able to lift that tarp and just turn things over so easily with the um, broad fork, it was just, and his soil just looks so good. It's so dark. It's so rich. It's so full of earthworms. So, 
Um, but we got, if you, when you listen, you'll hear, we got very high or high. <laughs> there was no average anything in any of Mike's soil. So, but I feel like we should do a test over in the garden. The one problem I'm worried about is my blueberries. Again, she said blueberries like a very alkaline soil of four point something. Oh yeah. So soil test, I guess the ideal conditions are between a six and a seven. So we're 7.8. So no wonder we're super high, but I, I think we'll be okay. She said we needed to add nitrogen. Mike was not surprised by that. He would like to put some blood meal. He bought blood meal, which we bought a spoma blood meal. Um, two or three years ago when he was trying to do the straw bale method and what happened with us was somehow the deer got in and they ate all his tomatoes that he had put in those straw bales. So, and then we just, this year we bought dirt, so we didn't buy straw bales, but he will probably try that again. If you listen to my interview with Joel Karsten, um, but anyway, he wants to put that blood meal in our garden, but he, that's where the dogs get in and he thinks up at the house he can't put that in, but he has been putting in it in a lot of spots um, in the mini farm. What have we been putting? We put alfalfa meal, I think, under like the tomatoes and things this year to add nitrogen. So he was already on it. He knew um, that that was kind of some of the stuff that he needed. Anyway, um, so challenging times. I will, I have definitely been super depressed, even though I live in Montana. I'm in a beautiful place. I've had access to my kids. Um, things have been good. I think it's, I don't know, maybe it's like my personality, like, uh, because I have very high days, you know, I'm a very strong Leo born in the middle of the summer of love. Um, you know, right outside of New York city back in 1967. And I think, so when I have super ups, I have a lot of super downs. I mean, it's, interesting that I declared 2020 to be the year I smiled back in January. And then I've been really struggling these last couple of months working at my desk. Um, I love my kids. I don't feel like I haven't seen my kids because I've seen plenty of them. I mean, we, you know, we just didn't get as much schoolwork done, but we got a lot of other stuff done. There's a big six minute um, pre-chat with uh, the soil kit woman about my school. So I won't go on about that here. So anyway, if you are somewhere where there's protesting going on, if you are somewhere where quarantine is hurting you, if you are somewhere, I just want you to know I'm praying for all of us. I'm praying for you and just trying to do our best and hope you're well and hope our planet comes out on the other side of this in a in a better place. It's... um. I think a very scary time in American history, but maybe it's important. I made my kids this, uh, I just happened to take some screenshots when we, we were doing the online thing and I put all the screenshots together. I wish I would have thought more about it cause I don't have one of every kid, but I feel like that's a huge part of American history. And I hope they save those color copies for a long time. And then I made one of them in the classroom. Just, I always make like a certificate parent thing of pictures of their kids learning in the room and certainly not as many pictures this year to choose from but but, you know by that I still probably have 3,000 pictures of the kids because I have a photographer job so the kids each week run the little classroom camera anyway and I take a bunch of pictures because 
when I went to college, I was a photography major and we used to go three pictures at least. If you got three good pictures out of a roll of 36, you were doing good. And that was back when you had to like develop your film. You know, you couldn't look at it and take another picture like in the digital days. You know, you got, you didn't know what you took till later. So I'm still of that mode. I'll take like click, click, click. And I, I'm not as big on setting, setting photos. I like, uh, what do they call it? Candid shots. Anyway, I'm standing outside the mini farm. It is so beautiful. It is growing like crazy. I don't know if you're as impatient as me. I definitely am more into transplanting. I realize more and more all the time because I like to see instant garden. I do not have the patience all you gardeners have for like putting carrots in. And my kale is doing horrible that I planted. So I hope the kale Mike planted in the mini farm does better. His radishes are growing like crazy. Um, so we've had fresh radishes. Our lettuce did not germinate. So again, I'm struggling with lettuce. I don't have a lot of lettuce. We do have a lot of broccoli. Like we already planted a dozen broccoli plants. So now we're going to have two dozen, I think, and some cauliflower. So that's really nice. I've definitely been working in the garden more this year. And I got to say, I love mowing the lawn. That is just like, I just, my headphones, I need a better pair of headphones. I have a hard time hearing my podcast when I'm mowing the lawn and I hate holding the handlebar. It makes that vibration makes my hands like get like carpal tunnel. But the more I'm mowing it, the better I'm getting. The other day, my fitness app said I did two miles just doing the part of the front yard. <laughs> That's not even including the orchard or the big part. Like you could just go from one and never stop mowing all week long on our lawn. But that's because we like to have a lot of fire break in the woods. Anyway, I'm probably rambling. And I just want to say um, happy. I don't know. I don't know if I can say happy 2020. But I hope wherever you are, um, you're working for social justice. And you're working for a greener planet. And you're supporting your neighbors and your family and I guess most of all, I hope you're staying safe. Jackie Byer, June 8th, signing out. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. And uh, yeah, so it's interesting getting the hang of Google Classroom and Google Meet, but I'm, I am really, like, I'm excited because, like, we have a, a gardening course and I keep it, I run it in Google Classroom because my podcast is all, um, you know, I'm just a one, it's just me, and so... I try to keep everything low cost and easy and it just seemed like the best way I thought the one thing about Google I'm surprised about it does not let you collect emails so I can email everybody in the Google classroom but I don't actually ever see their emails huh. my school one I can't admit I tried to admit one of my emails as a student so I could see what it looked like from a student view and I can't do that it has to have a school it has to be from my school and email. I cannot. So I, I can log into my kids' accounts and see their accounts. Um, but I can't, I can't add a student that's not in our district. So I thought, so there's all sorts of weird things about it. And yeah, you don't see, anyway, totally off topic here. <laughs> no, but you got me curious. So when do you guys get out for summer and what grade do you teach and where, I mean, you know, give me a, just a little bit, cause I have four kids. So I, I love to learn about what everybody's doing during this COVID virtual environment. Like, cause my kids got out of school yesterday. So uh, I actually like I run Google Hangouts with small groups and I see almost all of my students every day at least once a day for 20 minutes if not more than that 
and I, so I, on Monday, Wednesdays, I do reading group and on Tuesday, Thursday, I do math group. And so it's like four kids because to me, you get more than four or five kids in there and I can't handle it and I can't <laughs> see what's going on. It's too much. And so I like, and you know, as teachers, we all know small group is the ideal, yes. most effective, you know, one-on-one is good, but actually small group is better because the kids are learning from each other and you're going to get questions that you wouldn't get in that one-on-one situation. Uh, and there are places for that. So my principle requires us to teach a, uh, reading and math and every day as if we were in the whiteboard, direct instruction, um, which I, as a techie, struggle. I mean, you know, he's he's patient with all of us. We all have different technology. I And just the time to do that. So I try to post a reading lesson, a math lesson, and then ideally if the kids have seen it we're going to talk about but I save like the most important parts for direct instruction when we're in that little 20 minute hangout and it's not a great amount of time I mean we're certainly not getting the amount of work done that we would in the classroom but I also am seeing huge benefits like um, a lot of my shy kids ask questions that they wouldn't normally ask they get more attention directed at their group um they the help they get at home their projects are you know much better than I would get in the classroom you know like we've been doing this one thing for bird scouts for science where it's so cool they have to make these I usually am not a paper airplane person but these are paper birds and there's an owl and there's a falcon and we watch this awesome video it's a formative video the difference between owls and falcons and they have to figure out which paper and it's like the most incredible paper airplane destructions it's all folded um, and it, it's kind of tricky to do through the internet and it's actually supposed to be for fifth or eighth graders. So the fact that my third graders are doing it, plus they're doing it at home through a camera. Um, but, but then it, it is amazing how there's definitely one is more like an owl. One is more like a falcon. Yeah. One goes faster and further. One is more stealthy. Like they learn this whole thing about owls are stealth. Falcons can fly up to like 240 miles an hour and they're all about speed. Um, so we did that this week and it was so fun to hear the kids go, I got it. I got it. You know, like teachers live. And we also had some of that math this week too. Like I just had a really good week. So my online teaching, and then I do like reading groups. We started book clubs. My boys are reading the cricket in Times square. The girls are reading Mrs. Frisbee and the rats of Nim. I meet with the boys Monday, Tuesday, and the girls Wednesday, Thursday for a half hour. And we just kind of read together. Um, and then I do a read aloud. We were reading Harry Potter and now we're reading Esperanza Rising. So I am pretty much on a hangout. I feel like I'm chained to my desk and I'm pretty much on a hangout from eight or nine o'clock till two with different kids. I get a little bit of a break at 12 where I can sometimes walk my dogs, but more often than not, I'm either posting in the Google classroom, trying to get my math lesson done, doing, um, answering parent questions in the beginning, I was constantly getting emails from parents. How do I log in? How do I do that? So I think some of the skills the kids are learning. Last week and the week before, my kids all learned how to chat in Google Chat. So now they can just text me directly. They'll pop yeah. up. They'll be like, can we do a video? And I can work them through a math paper. Like, we're getting the tech down. And I think we have to give our families grace and ourselves grace about how much tech we're learning. And there are other things that are like, you know, I have like four kids home with teenage siblings. That's uh, tough. You know, we better get to, I could talk about this all day long. (laughs) And I actually, like usually people schedule for an hour, but I have an interview 
we only have 20 minutes left and then I have another okay. interview scheduled this morning and my okay. listeners want to hear what you have to say. Okay. So okay. I will introduce you really quick and then um, I will go from there. So Hey there, green future growers. Would you like your friends and neighbors to create an organic oasis too? Would you like others in your area to learn about earth-friendly practices for their gardens and yards? If so, we would love it if you would share the Organic Gardener podcast with your local community or college radio station today. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.